Hi, I'm George, and Alex is here too. Say hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Fantastic. Uncommon Commons is now on Patreon at patreon.com slash uncommoncommons. There are currently two tiers with plans for more in the future. Supporting us at the $1 level gets you access to all of our bonus content, including the Common Area, which uploads new episodes twice a month. For $5 a month, we will do listener shoutouts right here at the start of the episode. Now, Uncommon Commons is a passion project, so don't feel pressured to contribute, but it is greatly appreciated. For more information, go to patreon.com slash uncommoncommons or click the link in the description. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the Uncommon Commons. Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story was And Run, written by George Plank. the whole time. Sorry, force of habit. What's going on? Beats me. Later. Does it sound like a car alarm to you, too? <laughs> sure, Jane. A car. I bet it's driven by a nightcrawler, too. The walking pants from Fresno? Uh, 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 if you say it, it might come true. John, creepy Stacy isn't going to show up in your bathroom mirror. What in the void are you worried about? Well, now she will. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jane. But seriously, cars, Jane? Aren't you a little old for that kind of thing? Well, what do you think it is, then? A weather balloon. Well, for simplicity's sake, let's call it a car for now. Sounds good to me. So, where do you think this car alarm is coming from? Well, we can't fit a weather balloon in the apartment, so my guess would be the void. John, everything not in the apartment is in the void. Everything, and also nothing at all. Okay. There's nothing outside. That's what I said. And it sounds like it's coming from inside, so let's look around for the source. Sounds good. And while we do that, I can tell you the story I got in the mail. Thanks for stopping in. Be sure to text me when you get home. Don't worry, will do. Chris closed the door behind them and put on their seatbelt. Thank God that was over. Chris was never what would have been called a social butterfly. The entire time they were at the party, they were just quietly counting the number of steps they were to the door over and over again. And now that they were in their car, they couldn't help but wonder if they shouldn't go back in. No, Chris, they thought to themselves. You were in there for over three hours, and the only person you talked to was the dog. And Hubert only stayed to lick the pepperoni grease from your hand. That was a good charcuterie board, though. They looked back over to the house. Their friend who had wished them well was already back inside. The windows shook from the heavy bass in the music and the lights flashed in kind. Keys turned, gears shifted, and Chris drove off. It was going to take them about an hour to drive home. In terms of mileage, they didn't live all that far away, but like many new drivers, Chris had a strong aversion to driving on the interstate. Too many cars getting on and off, going at speeds faster than the Tempest at Need Park all piloted by an inconceivable number of other people with their own thoughts, wants, and desires. No thank you. Chris was more than happy taking the back and side roads to get around. It may take a bit longer, but as long as wherever they were trying to get was on this side of the water, they could navigate it just fine. Even then, 
Chris's knuckles were turning a hue that would make a ghost blush. Her steering wheel cover had deep inset grooves at 10 and 2, and also at 9 and 3. The ever-changing ruling on where to put one's hands while driving was just another on the mounting pile of anxieties. Deep down, they probably knew they were going to leave the party early. While everyone else was tossing ping-pong balls into red plastic cups, Chris was searching through the pantry for some red drink mix. Though, listening to their favorite true crime podcast now, they would probably go without for the foreseeable future. No, the last thing they needed was another distraction. There weren't that many street lamps on the long drive home, and at this hour the headlights can only reveal so many of the lines in the road. The full moon shone through the tops of a few sporadic pines over to the side of the road. Previously, Chris had never found the lever to activate the high beams, but if there was ever a moment, now would be the time. They felt around the edge of the steering wheel, feeling over familiar grooves and bumps of the console, past the turn signal and over the wiper mechanism, to a new button they had never pressed before. The button went in, and the high beams came on with a click. They shone down on the road, and what shone back were the eyes of a passing deer in the middle of the road. Chris swerved to miss the creature, who showed no interest in staying put, their eyes magnetically held in contact with Chris's. What Chris didn't see was the person in the adjacent crosswalk until he made contact with the bumper and flew onto the hood and rolled over their vehicle. Chris's tires screamed in the same horrified protest as their driver that they were not stopping nearly quick enough. The car grinded to a halt. In the rearview mirror, the only movement Chris could see was thin, wispy trails of the car exhaust reflecting the red of the brake lights. They hoped that at any moment they would see someone stand up and walk away, but as the seconds passed like hours, Chris undid their seatbelt and opened the door. Their breath caught in their throat. They wanted to cry or scream or even ask if the person was okay, but nothing short of a few whimpers escaped their throat. The flashlight on their phone maneuvered along the ground, eventually landing on a single brown leather shoe. The shoe rested sole-side up, a few feet away from a leg splayed in directions foreign to the human form. For the first time, Chris could see the man clearly. His brown tweed suit was ripped and torn. His face was blackened and bruised around his pencil-thin mustache. Blood pooled in the corners of his mouth, which was held agape in what might approximate fear. A wave of dread, shame, and guilt washed over Chris all at once. It felt as if all their bodily functions shut down at the same time. Without them even noticing, they had already dialed nine and one on their phone. Their finger hovered over the one. They knew what they had to do, but their hand shook violently at the thought of it. They looked down at the body and then back to their phone, and then they looked around. There was no one else around for miles. The only buildings that dotted this section of the road were all businesses that were long since run down or were waiting for their season to start again. A slight rustling of leaves came from the woods. Chris gasped. Their eyes shot up to the edge of the woods, worried that they had been found out. A pair of deep black eyes stared back at Chris. The deer's breath hung heavy in the air, and Chris's was still lodged in their throat. Chris took a single step towards their car. The deer turned tail and ran off into the woods. Chris looked at the body and then back to their phone. They backed out of their call manager and started walking away. Was it the best move? Probably not. No one saw. What was he even doing walking around at this hour of night in this part of town? Accidents happen, after all. And there were no witnesses. I don't know. I don't feel right about this. I can't call the cops, but... Perhaps? They sat in their car for a moment, gripping the steering wheel tight in both hands, a deep breath in before they reached for their phone. 
Victoria probably wouldn't see this for a couple of hours, but they had to tell someone. They typed out, I need to tell you something. No, that's far too cryptic. Text me when you get the chance. They could feel tears welling up in their eyes. All the breaths they couldn't take before seemed to catch up to them all at once. They turned up their music to drown out the sounds of their own indecision. They tried to put as much distance between them and the situation as possible. They looked through their rear windshield and watched as the taillight illuminated body shrunk from view. They drove on for a couple miles more. There's no way they can pin this on me, right? It was an accident. There were no witnesses. Except for that deer. Maybe there was a trail cam. Oh, those things are awfully blurry. Remember when I watched that three-hour feed on my phone that one time? The only thing you could make out was that something was moving. Maybe that's why so many people claim to see Sasquatch on those things. Ugh, focus! In that moment, they were both extremely focused on the road ahead of them, and also the least focused on their driving that they had ever been. They tried their best to stay firmly within the lines, but between their brain trying to rationalize things while simultaneously calling them a terrible person, they couldn't help but run onto the gravel on the side of the road a couple times. It's not too late to turn around, they thought. At this hour of night, there's probably no one else on the road. Maybe he's still alive. Have I ever seen a dead body before? Maybe I'm just a bad judge of these things. Maybe... The phone they had thrown onto the passenger seat buzzed twice and the screen came to life, flooding the car with a startling amount of light. Against all better judgment, Chris peered over in its general direction to see that Victoria had finally gotten their text. Glad you got home safe. Party's going great. They looked back at the road to see the shocked face of a person about to be hit and then run over by their car. The car itself felt like it was going over a small yet crunchy speed bump and bounced twice. Again, the tires screeched to a halt, and again, Chris tried to hold back their tears and screams. Again, their breath became ragged, and their tears began to well up in the corner of their eyes. They nearly choked on their own spit. Not again, they whimpered. Hot tears streaked down their face as their stress finally got the better of them, and they allowed themselves the opportunity to cry. They stopped when they heard a groaning coming from behind the car. They stopped when they heard a groaning coming from behind the car. They wiped their tears on their sleeve and struggled to get the seatbelt undone before opening the door. Uh, are you all right? Chris struggled to get the words out. Obviously, they weren't going to be all right, but maybe they were alive, and that was something. The groaning came again, and Chris made their way to the back of the vehicle. They mentally prepared themselves to see some gruesome sights. It wouldn't be the first mangled body they had seen tonight. Prepared for the worst, they looked upon the man they had just run over. Their knees buckled and stomach dropped. They braced themselves against the car. They felt their way back to the driver's seat, never taking their eyes off the man. He may have whispered, Help me. But the only thing Chris could hear was the sound of their own heart beating in their ears. They left the man in the road just as quickly as they had come upon him. That's impossible. There's no way. Chris had been prepared for mutilation. What they weren't prepared for was a man with a pencil-thin mustache wearing a brown tweed suit. It made no logical sense, but the more distance they put between the situation and themselves, the less they could deny it. It was the same man. There's no one else it could be. I need to get home. I'm, I'm clearly delirious. I, I probably didn't even hit anyone. I'm just seeing things. Chris didn't believe that for a moment, but there was a certain comfort in denial. Their breathing slowed, and so too did they try to slow the car. They were going too fast for comfort. 
on the edge of their seat once again. They attempted to focus exclusively on the road. Perhaps they were a little too alert for their own good. From one side, a bat swooped down into the road, making them swerve a little. Closer to the road, sets of eyes reflected back at them for several hundred feet, only to be revealed to be a small herd of deer. They could feel their eyelids getting heavy, but every small movement made Chris react in kind. Red and blue lights flashed to life behind the car. An accompanying siren joined in, and Chris's sense of panic reached new heights. How long have they been following me? Did they come from further down the road? They know. Chris pulled over onto the gravel, and the police vehicle pulled up behind them. The siren turned off, but the lights stayed on. Chris could hear the sound of gravel under heavy boots as a bright beam of light made its way to their window. Three taps, and Chris rolled down the window. License and registration, please. Chris said nothing. They reached slowly over to the glove box and retrieved the papers after fishing their license out from their wallet. The light shone onto the car and over the contents of the back seat. Have you had anything to drink this evening? No, officer. Would you kindly step out of the vehicle? For the first time, Chris could see the person behind the light. She was an older woman, stocky frame. Her hair was tied into a tight bun. She had Chris walk in a straight line and recite the alphabet backwards. Chris was certain that they had mixed up their Y and X, but the woman said nothing. Finally, the woman made them blow into a breathalyzer. After all they had been through, Chris didn't have that much breath left. She had Chris return to their car while she ran the information. Alone with their thoughts yet again, Chris couldn't help but suspect that this woman knew everything. She's been in her vehicle for a long time. Is she talking to someone on her radio? What does she know? Have they been following me? If so, for how long? How far could I get if I just ran off into the woods? The woman tapped at the window and Chris jumped. The woman had an apologetic look on her face. She motioned for Chris to roll the window down. Didn't mean to startle you, just wanted to give you back your things. We saw you swerving a bit back there and thought you might have had a bit too much to drink. Normally, that would still amount to a reckless driving charge, but seeing as this is your first offense, we're going to let you off with a warning. Thank you. Chris took back their paperwork. Just stay safe out here. These roads can get pretty dangerous at night. Chris said nothing, and the officer walked back to her car. Chris started the engine. The officer passed on the left, and Chris slowly pulled back onto the road. They were ready for the night to just end already. Before the car could even meet the speed limit, a man in a brown tweed suit stepped in front of the car and crashed into the windshield. The force of the impact, paired with the weight of his body, shattered the windshield, leaving a web-like design imprinted in the glass. The lifeless body slid off the car as Chris slammed on the brakes. They got out of the car and looked at the unmistakable body of the man with the pencil-thin mustache. They looked up and saw the taillights of the cop car in the distance. Their brake lights came on, and for a moment Chris thought that this was it, only to see the car make an illegal left turn and then disappear from view. Chris got back in the car, drove around the man's body, and continued heading home. They didn't stop. They weren't going to do that again, not when the bats and the deer in their periphery started to just appear to be this one man, not even when they started throwing themselves at the car. When they looked in the rearview mirror, they could see a swath of tweed destruction in their wake. What's the point? They'll hit him again if they swerve. They'll hit him again if they don't. The only thing they have control over is how quickly they could get home. They barreled down the road, stopping only for the rare stop sign or traffic light until they pulled into their apartment's parking lot. Their body slumped over the steering wheel and their head collapsed into their folded arms. They breathed deep and screamed from the bottom of their lungs until their throat was sore. 
They grabbed their phone off of the front seat and checked it. Victoria assumed they were at home already, so there was no point in sending another text now. Somehow, it was still only about a quarter past midnight. The night's events felt like an eternity, but in total, they still somehow made decent time getting home. They began the trek to their building. They dreaded the climb up all those stairs, but they knew their pillow was waiting for them at the end, and they couldn't wait to lie down on their nice, soft bed. Instead of feather down, however, their head soon came in contact with the black asphalt of the lot after having been forced to the ground by a reversing SUV. Chris could feel the blood pooling in their throat, working its way to the corners of their mouth. The boundaries of their vision started to darken. They wanted to cough, but they couldn't find the strength to even do that. They heard some panicked footsteps rush towards them. A man with a pencil-thin mustache reached into his tweed jacket pocket and pulled out his phone. Hello, 911? I'd like to report an accident. Okay. Just point in a direction. There might be someone useful there. John, that's the way to the bathroom. <laughs> John, there's not going to be a car in the... Huh. Ugh. Looks like my curling iron is on the fritz again. John, that is a car. Oh, Jane, I envy you. No, it's just my state-of-the-art curling iron. Lots of torque for volume and bounce. I will hurt you. You can never hurt me more than my curling iron does. Did you know scalp doesn't grow back? No, but I'd love to test that theory. Beep. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It was written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Our theme song was composed by Charles Adam Robinson, and our logo designed by Sam Vitale. Our social media manager is Rebecca Tewksbury. Follow us at un underscore commons on Twitter, uncommon underscore commons on Instagram, or email us at zero nullstreet at gmail.com. Rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay, and remember, nothing is real.